Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back here with my friend Lloyd de Jong, and uh, we're going to talk about Darwin and Mustache Man, uh, and if there is a connection between the two. I'll tell you what something, speaking of AI, Lloyd, I was trying to design a thumbnail for this using AI before, and yeah. Bing AI, I found Bing AI to be pretty good for pictures. Um, it's It's pretty good, I find, so I tried to do... Darwin drinking a beer with a monkey smiling and Hitler sitting with them. And it did a great job of Darwin drinking a beer with a monkey oh, in a gulag. And I couldn't put concentration camp, but let me put gulag. Um, right. And it wouldn't let me make the image if it had Hitler in it. And it wouldn't let me make the image if I had soldier in World War II uniform with Charlie Chaplin mustache. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You know... My concern is that they are they are truth is being is being censored on the basis of not causing offense, which itself is an egregious error. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. But the thumbnail is pretty good, actually. I got to say thank you to Bing AI. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. If you want to sponsor me, Bing, sure, give me a, give me a few dollars and I'll do it. But uh, that thumbnail that I got made with the, the Darwin drinking a beer with a monkey is priceless, and they even got the hands right, which is cool because AI has been really bad at hands lately. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we, Lloyd and I did, uh, we've done about four shows so far, four or five, and we did a couple on Darwin and then, uh, you know, life happens and vacations and my wife's expecting our sixth child and busy and blah, blah, blah and whatever. And we've just haven't been able to connect for a couple months. Um, but we're back and we're going to finish off this Darwin series and we're going to talk about the uh, role that Darwin's philosophy played in the totalitarian eugenical regimes that led to things like the Second World War and all the things that happened there. Um, is, is that fair to say that's going to be the, the sort of heart of what we're going to talk about Maybe. today? Okay. Now, before we get there, though, ladies and gentlemen, first, after we're done this episode, uh, go take a look or open another tab. You can multitask if your computer is strong enough. Go uh, subscribe to Lloyd's channel as well. You can find that Lloyd DeYoung on YouTube. Um, and, uh, also we've got to say thank you to our sponsor. And, uh, I just want to say thank you to queen of victory rosaries. Uh, I gotta make sure I can share my screen here though. Is that good? Boom. Okay. So that's the men's conference. That's the next thing, but queen of victory rosaries, ladies and gentlemen, this is a sponsor of the show. She's a loyal sponsor and she does great work. I actually have a couple of the rosaries, use them every night to pray with the family. And I will tell you, uh, it's second to none as far as quality is concerned. And they look beautiful. The nice thing is, is that they're strong. Uh, you know, my kids can't just break them apart like they do. A lot of the stuff you get at souvenir shops and things. Um, but at the same time, they're not cumbersome. I have some of those rugged rosaries, and they're great. But they do make a big ball of rosary in your pocket. Whereas these, they're sleek, and they just fit nicely like those sort of more dainty ones. But they don't break, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, you can have everything made custom. You can see they do five decades, seven sorrows, stations of the cross. 15 decades. I actually have a custom-made 15 decade. It looks like this one. Uh, it's not the exact same, but similar. And what she did is she actually put the dates of my children's births on the first five decades. Now, I don't think we'll fill t 15 decades, my poor wife, if we do. Uh, but she said she'll keep adding to each another decade every time we have a new child. So after we have this next child, I can send the rosary back and she'll put the new one. So it's just a wonderful gift. Um... Just really great stuff if you're looking for thoughtful Catholic gifts. And there's only a month till Christmas. So now is the time to order because it takes a couple weeks to make and then you got to send it out. So check out Queen of Victory Rosaries. 
Um, link for that is in the description. Use the coupon code Kennedy, and it's also worth knowing that if anything does break down from general wear and tear, um, you can't use it as a skipping rope with your two-year-old, and she's not going to fix that. But general wear and tear, send it to her, and she'll fix it for you. So thank you to Queen of Victory Rosaries. And last thing before we get started, I'd like to let everybody know about the second annual Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference. This is going to be taking place in Stratford, Ontario. Keynote speaker this year is Father Michel Rion. He's a Swiss priest at the Society of St. Pius X. I know him very well. He's a wonderful preacher. Um, and our goal is to reclaim Catholic manhood. And you can click the link in the description to this video to buy tickets. It's CanadianMartyrsConference.ca. And it's put on by the Holy Name Society of uh, St. Peter and Paul's chapels, uh, served by the Society of St. Pius X. And uh, Father Rion, uh, Tim Flanders, myself, as well as other priests will be doing talks. It's a great day. It's actually kind of a weekend. You show up the Friday night. We've got a pub rented out where we can have a meet and greet. It's Friday, so we'll do fish and chips or something. Uh, mass in the morning, opening remarks, speakers, buffet, lunch. I mean, it's everything. It's everything you could want. So check it out. Check the link in the description for that. And uh, there you go. All right. That is... Um, I gotta, I got to close this here. All right, we're good. So Lloyd, let's get into it. I'm going to share the screen here, and we'll get to uh, where we were. Good. All Did right. the right hotkey. Perfect. Any questions or any comments before we go? Just, we'll just give a quick summary, ladies and gentlemen. We did two hour and a half episodes on Darwin, so if you know nothing about Darwin and you're confused how we got here, then you can go watch those after. Uh, but basically, we're just showing that Darwin wasn't just this wonderful, rational, amazing scientist who just loved knowledge. Like everybody said, he actually had quite a dark side. And we're going to go through how his ideology was used for some of the worst atrocities of the 20th century. Yeah, so Darwin loved to kill animals with his bare hands with rocks and of course shooting them and uh, he killed thousands and thousands of animals with his hammer so he loved killing small animals and uh, of course that's not a sign of uh, emotional maturity that's a sign that you're a psychopath and uh, he also inspired a number of what we i would call moral monsters so let's start with this i'm not gonna <clears throat> i'm gonna skip through this i won't be able to do every slide but I want to give you an overview and you can watch the series on my channel. It's called Darwin, Moral Monster. And right, this is Thomas Huxley. This was Darwin's bulldog. Now, there are different sides to this man because he contradicts himself. He called himself an agnostic. He invented the word agnostic in the 1840s, 1860s, or he'd been using the word or the idea since the 40s. And then in the 60s, he created the word to describe himself. Of course, he was a raging atheist. He was not an agnostic. And so therefore, he already contradicted himself in that sense. Now, he used Darwinism to destroy religion. He hated religion and specifically the Catholic Church. Now, he, in his own writings, it shows that he apparently did not believe in Darwinism, but he found it a convenient tool to destroy the church. And he writes here, no rational man cognizant of the facts believes that the average Negro is the equal, still less the superior of the white man. So I, I think that gives us a fair idea of where he stands. And he says here in one essay, if the Jesuit, Father Francisco Suarez, has rightly stated Catholic doctrine, then evolution is utter heresy, and such I believe it to be. In addition to the truth of the doctrine of evolution, indeed, one of its greatest merits in my eyes is the fact that it occupies a position of, a position of complete and irreconcilable antagonism to that vigorous and consistent enemy of the highest intellectual, moral, and social life of mankind, the Catholic Church. Suarez, eh? So, 
I never knew that. I got a, I, I'm actually I'm getting together a series on the traditional doctrine of creation with uh, with some excellent speakers and things with, over the, in the new year. It'll take over a few months. But Suarez, I never knew. I got to look into that. that. Thanks for that. Yeah, and he says, you cannot be both a true son of the church and a loyal soldier of science. He created the dogma that to be a scientist is to be anti-Christian. And to be Christian is to be anti-science. And in fact, if he's a materialist, then this would obviously start to explain a lot of his thinking. I'm doing a talk, several talks on materialism. And um, just briefly aside, the atheist philosophies, especially the materialist philosophy, is not scientific. It is entirely pagan. It dates back to 600 BC to the pagan Greeks. There's nothing scientific about it. It is purely, purely a pagan concept, which they've simply slapped the label of science on it because they can use it as a club against Christianity. Have you come across Aximander in your research? Um, yes, I have mentioned an Aximander. Um, there's yeah. others that I've focused on because they tend to all kind of fall into roughly the same category. So I've just used like um, Heraclitus is one, a complete irrational, completely what's the word, just word salad from that guy. Um, but yes, why do you, why do you ask? No, just because he's one of the ones that's always talked about. He had this view of, um, I believe Aximander and Lucretius, but Laximander was talking about like fish becoming land mammals or something like that. Like he had yeah, these. We have mentioned that. Remember in the previous episode, we actually mentioned how all of Darwin's ideas can be traced back to the pagan Greeks. That his ideas are no different to that which is spoken about by the pagan Greeks. So he's literally repeating pagan Greek ideas. And in fact, they can be traced into Islam as well. It was called the Mohammedan theory of evolution. So in other words, he's taking Sufi philosophy. He's taking Greek paganism, simply dressing it up as science and voila, Darwinism. Excellent. So notice here, Darwin writes that design was just chance plus time. Now this idea of chance also falls into the philosophies of the pagan Greeks, this idea of chance. So you had the physical laws. So basically atoms were just smashing together like billiard balls following the laws of physics plus a degree of what they called chance. That's a pagan idea. So design in nature was chance plus time and greed was not a sin from the devil, but an inheritance from monkeys. So in other words, your sin is just normal human behavior. It is justified. And he says, our descent then is the origin of our evil passions. So our descent. Now, what is odd is he uses the word descent when he means our, our evolution from lower primates, right? But our descent, this is his, I think here, he is playing on the idea of the fall. He's actually mocking the idea of the fall. That's why he calls it the descent, because technically it's a rise. Does that make sense, Kennedy? Yeah. So our descent then is the origin of our evil passions. So in other words, your evil passions are innate and normal. They're just a natural part of nature. And the devil under form of baboon is our grandfather. So yeah, that's Darwin. Yeah, that's, it's a mockery. It's a mockery of, um, it's a mockery of, of basically Christian doctrine, you know, like I've always, I've never understood, I've never understood why these Catholic apologists, especially they should know better talk about um evolution like if anyone has held on to the doctrine of original sin it's been the catholic church and we have to believe that sin the it's very clear in the scriptures the wages of sin is death uh so death entering into the world physical bodily death especially if human beings is a result of sin and we're going to think that this is going to be god's mechanism he's using the mechanism of sin for creation that's essentially what they're saying uh the book of wisdom is very clear that god made not death 
Um, you yeah, know, don't forget we we showed already that Darwin said that death is how nature causes evolution. Nature is how death is how nature evolves man, improves life, and therefore killing, murder, warfare, yeah. genocide actually improves the human race. And this is where World War One started. Few know that World War One was technically an atheistic Darwinian war mm -hmm. based on Darwinian principles, fought because of Darwinian principles. Yep. As was World War Two. And uh it was a final blow against the Holy Roman Empire with uh, taking out the Austro-Hungarians, which was the last vestige of Christendom with any official governance. So it was a big disaster. Yep. So Huxley coined the word agnostic in 1869, but of course, by his own words, he was a raging atheist. He loved attacking the dogma, so he utterly hated religion. And to him, science was at war with theology. So I won't spend a huge amount of time on these. You can watch these on my channel. Um, However, so let's just go through. Now, he's Julian Huxley was the grandson of Huxley, and we discovered that he had significant mental problems. And in fact, many of these adherents of materialism and these atheist doctrines, you'll find many of them actually had some serious emotional and mental issues, uh, which, which are not spoken of commonly, but a lot of these people were not very, very well, right? And so let's continue with that. We'll cover this. I want to go through things that are of relevance. Right, we'll skip Malthus. Now, interestingly, Wallace was the co-founder of evolution with Darwin. It's what's called originally the Darwin-Wallace theory of evolution. I'm going to have to sprint through these, given the time constraint. So it was called the Darwin-Wallace theory of evolution. And however, Wallace was a spiritualist. Wallace believed in, not a Christian, but he believed in spirit which actually ran contrary to Darwin. And in fact, most of the scientists of the day had some kind of theological background. So Darwin was very annoyed by this. I differ grievously from you. I can see no necessity for calling in an additional cause, the supernatural element in regard to man. Darwin did not like the idea of invoking some kind of spirit. And I hope you have not too completely murdered your and my child, which is evolution because he felt that adding spirit to it, adding any sort of option of God to it, would actually destroy this idea, which Darwin hoped, as we've discussed, would kill Christianity. That's, so, um, of course, he was a crazy. socialist. Sorry? Yeah, I mean, it just shows. I mean, it's uh, people want to say, oh, this is you know not about the Christian faith or whatever. It just is. It's an enemy of their own words. you got to believe them. Out of the mouths of the... Uh, out of the mouths of babes, as we say, out of the mouths of the heretics, same thing. Yeah, and if Wallace had published before going to Darwin, because he was ready before Darwin was, we would have had a different view. We, we would have had a theistic evolution, which was the common stance of science at the time. So, now let's, so Wallace, just briefly, Wallace had a fit, he had a fever, he was ill, and he saw this idea of evolution during this fever. So the idea came to him in, in a fever. There was no, shall we say, scientific decision-making or process he worked through. He got sick one day, had a fever, and came up, voila, evolution. So that's how he hit on the idea, oddly enough. Oh, just one, so, thing, one quick for some people in the comments. Why am I not looking at the camera? Because I'm looking at Lloyd's slides. <laughs> uh, so uh, I have... I don't, yeah, I have a camera over here and I got my slides here. Anyway, I'm looking at the slides, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. I, so, yeah, I have a screen here. I've got a screen there and then I've got my camera in the middle. So, yes. yeah, yeah, as well. Okay, now let's briefly look at Jung and Sick Man Fraud. 
you may have heard of this psychology. Yeah, here. That's good. Now, that's good. So Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud are two very famous evolutionary psychologists, right? Now Jung's ideas were heavily influenced by popular German folkish cults. And of course, Jung got his ideas from a discussion with Philemon. Philemon was, shall we say, Jung's spirit guide, what we would call your invisible friend. And Jung used to have walks in the garden with his invisible friend Philemon. Philemon would then explain the mysteries of life to him. And in fact, in the case of Freud, you had one guy that even asked if Freud had made a pact with the devil, because apparently Freud had a curious preoccupation with the devil, damnation and the Antichrist. And in fact, so did Martin Luther also have a preoccupation with the devil. Now, throughout his life, Darwin was plagued by vomiting, shivering, dying sensations, ringing in his ears, as well as heart palpitations, blurred vision, hysterical crying fits, and more. In fact, his whole family was very sickly. So did he have syphilis, did he have syphilis or anything? Yeah. Like, did they ever find out that he had some sort of disease, like a, like one of those curable ones now, but then he couldn't? I've looked. Um, my guess is that he was, my guess is that he was groomed to promote these ideas because these ideas came from the poetry of his grandfather, which are copies of the poetry of these pagans, but also the, the Mohammedan poetry, the Sufi poetry, right? So I guess he was groomed to do this. And I think he was going against his conscience here. And this led to an emotional breakdown. That's my guess. Fair enough. Now, Philemon, according to Jung, was a superior knowledge. And he taught me psychological objectivity and the actuality of the soul. So his invisible friend taught him about psychological objectivity. And he formulated and expressed everything which I'd never thought. So he was superior insight as a mysterious figure. He seemed to me quite real, as if he were a living personality. I went walking up and down the garden with him. And he was, to me, what the Indians would call a guru. Now, of course, Carl Jung was a Gnostic also. Okay, this is something, if I can add, this is, I really like Jordan Peterson, ladies and gentlemen. I've listened to a lot of Peterson stuff over the years, but Jordan Peterson's Christianity is Gnostic. I hope his wife, because he's a huge Jungian, okay, when he talks about all these Jungian themes and things like that, mm -hmm. these are Gnostic. Um, his wife is converting to Catholicism. She's in RCIA. She's praying the rosary, hopefully through the grace, I don't know if she's baptized, but through the grace of confirmation, confession, like hopefully there's an orthodoxy that follows that, which is all, which is very common. Um, and hopefully that, that filters over into her husband. But Jordan Peterson's doctrines of Christianity are Gnostic. And you'll notice, you know, Jordan Peterson's very conservative. He's very smart. But if you were to compare Jordan Peterson's beliefs about Christianity with those of Teilhard de Chardin, perhaps the greatest heresiarch in the last hundred years in the church, uh, who his, their beliefs could actually overlap. Those Venn diagrams would be very close. This idea that from the substrate of the human race, there is something bubbling up in creation towards this sort of omega point. I mean, this is evolution in the spiritual sense and in the physical. And so people have to be very careful with this stuff. All right. So... Darwinism is a religion. Now, this is Michael Roos. He is a well-known atheist, I believe, a PhD atheist. And he writes here about the book, Darwinian theory has served as a rival to the Christian worldview since the mid-Victorian period. And in the way that evolution tries to speak of the nature of humans and their place, we have a religion, a secular religious perspective. So there's plenty of evidence. Darwinism is religious just as atheism is religious, just as Marxism is actually a theology, not an economic system. 
Right. He says, for the past 150 years, Roos claims evolutionary thinking and Darwinian thinking has taken on the form and role of a religion. It is. It is. Um, well, atheism in general, what's his name? Who's that Christian apologist? You know, he talks about Islam a lot. Uh, Wood, David Wood. He um, he did a show the other day about the failures of the new atheism or something. And um, he was showing one of these major new atheist figures, uh, just showing that he would reject all ex all evidence for the existence yes. of God. Like, yes. you know, what would you say if the stars aligned to spell your name? He's like, I would just, you know, pass it off as a hallucination. What would you say if the stars aligned to say God exists? So and so, he's ah, just hallucination. Like he's, you know, he just he would reject all evidence based on faith. You know, it is a religion. You know, there's a quote that I've shown, and I can't remember where I have it in my slides because it's in my slides, and I've shown it to people. Nietzsche actually says we are atheists out of preference, not from evidence. Nietzsche actually has this quote: "We are atheists from preference." Yeah, obviously, it's there's no basis it's, for it. Yeah, yeah, and then so. Now, what happens is Michael Roos identifies two major streams of atheist thought, scientific atheism, which is grounded in the natural sciences. Well, actually, it's grounded in materialism, so don't be fooled by the lovely euphemisms there, and Darwinism. What is interesting is that atheists apparently don't believe in anything. However, 91% of atheists are discovered to believe in Darwinism, 91%, just like Mr. Hitler, just like Mr. Stalin, just like Mr. Mao, and just like Mr. Lenin, oddly enough. And the rest are Marxists. So, and humanistic atheism, which arises from Karl Marx. And these two forms of atheisms were attached to political projects. So really, this is a political movement. So just thought I'd mention this. Okay. <clears throat> so let me see. Um, of course, Richard Dawkins. I'm not going to go hugely into Dawkins, but I've already discussed, I think, previously where Dawkins supports shall we say, certain eugenic ideas that Darwin promoted, because Darwin was the inventor, the creator of these, of eugenics. And Dawkins actually supports those, and he believes that if atheists, sorry, if, if space aliens were ever to visit Earth, the first question they will ask in order to assess the level of our civilization is, have we discovered evolution yet? I right. don't know. I don't so, know how people take Dawkins seriously. He's smarmy. <laughs> he's, he's smarmy. He's dismissive. He's arrogant. His arguments are like that of a... Basically, when I used to teach religion in high school, his arguments are like the arguments of a kid in grade 9 who's ticked off because his parents got divorced. Um, it's just that he uses big words and a fancy accent. It's the same level of intelligence. I don't know how people that are grown yeah. men and women take his arguments seriously. Yeah. So I'm going to just skip again. So Daniel Dennett believed that Darwin's idea of natural selection is the best idea that anyone has ever had ahead of Newton and Einstein and everyone else. Right, beginning in the 19th century, a brand of atheism has used Darwin's model as ammunition in its attack on religious faith, which is interesting. Atheism, which is just a lack of belief, seems to love attacking religious faith. So, this is and Darwinism is the key framework of modern science. I'm not sure if that is true, it brings to life and blah blah blah. And so, the models of material existence, right, which is very interesting and inevitable progress now. These are terms that are based on that life has a purpose, but we believe life has a purpose because God has a plan for the universe. How does a brick, a loaf of bread, how does that have a purpose? How does matter, a piece of dust, how does that have a purpose and have, shall we say, intentionality? It doesn't. How does matter have thoughts? 
It doesn't. How does dead matter have thoughts? We don't know. But they're trying to conflate. And what they've done is they've conflated materialism with science, which is what they're doing here. And these, again, go straight back to 6th century BC pagan Greece. These are not scientific ideas. These, this is an ideology which is anti-theistic. Yep, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to skip over some of this. And um, how much time do we have? Because I just need to be sure that I finish within time. So what you have is... We can go for another right? 45 minutes or so. Okay, so... Yeah, at least. Okay, let's have a look at some of the moral implications here. Peter Singer, right? He thinks that euthanasia is morally justified. In fact, this guy believed that disabled non-persons may be killed. So did Martin Luther, for that matter. Luther also wrote that disabled people, mentally ill people, can be killed because they're not real people, right? And no newborn should be considered a person for 30 days, and you can kill disabled babies on the spot, all right? And, of course, this happened in Roman society. We would call that pagan society. You could kill a baby up until it was two years old with no legal repercussions. Now, this is Peter Singer. He argues that it might be okay to rape disabled people. He's a Darwinist, of course. Right, So basically, this is a destruction of human life. Chimp has more right to exist than a person and that killing babies can be justified. This is quite literally what Darwinists think. Well, this, okay. ladies and gentlemen, this is the logical conclusion. If you believe that there is monkeys to man, molecules to man, and by the way, so I'm writing a book on modernism, and as part of that, I'm reading a ton of books to get myself ready for it, and I'm reading a book called... Um, Creation Rediscovered, and it's a Catholic work out of print, but it was by Tan from like the 90s. Anyway, it's about what the evolutionists actually believe, what the church actually teaches, whatever. And um, a textbook, one of the major textbooks that was going around the 60s and 70s in all public schools, talking about evolution. And it literally says, like, it started with monkeys. <laughs> it's, I, I highlighted and put it on Twitter yesterday. It was monkeys. And um, so... When, when evolutionists lampoon you as a creationist or someone who doesn't believe in evolution because you'll say things like, oh, monkeys to man, that doesn't make any sense. They'll say, you're so unsophisticated. No evolutionist actually believes monkeys became man. It's so much more than that. And here I am looking at a textbook that was used in all public schools and things like that from the 60s and 70s saying a special monkey, whatever. <laughs> it's just like, it's monkeys to man. It is monkeys to man. You can call it an ape. You can call it a hominid all you want, but it's, it's Bobo the chimp becomes Bob. And, and, and that is what you have to believe. It is anti-reason. And if it's anti-reason, it's anti-rationality. And the soul is the form of the body. Our rationality, it, the intellect is housed in the soul. They must deny this. And then there's no consequence for killing someone because who cares? They're just worm food when they die anyway. Yep. And of course, you can see Mr. Dawkins tells us there is no justice and there is no design, no purpose, no evil, no good nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Yet atheists argue for being moral. Yeah, and one of his so, and one of the arguments against Christianity is that Hitler was a Christian. It's like, why does it matter? I mean, we, we know he wasn't, but wh wh who cares? He didn't do anything wrong, because there's nothing wrong. There's, not, there's no such thing as wrong, so this isn't an argument. But anyway. Right. And of course, now you've got Planned Parenthood. Large Families, page 63. For the sake of those who find difficulty in adjusting old-fashioned ideas to the facts, the most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. So, yeah, if you have any issues, Kennedy, you can kill one of your kids. That's one less mouth to feed. It's merciful. 
And that is according to Margaret Sanger, who founded the American Birth Control League, today known as Planned Parenthood, written in her book, Woman and the New Race. So it's merciful to kill one of your infants. And this is supposed to be moral. This is atheist morality. Well, she was a raging communist. She was a free-thinking atheist. Her father was a free... Well, act, technically, she was Episcopalian and she got buried <laughs> in the church. But her father was a free-thinking atheist. She was a socialist. Now, you cannot be a socialist and, of course, a Christian, but fine, whatever. And, of course, she had the motto, no gods and no masters. So, so much for being Christian. She sounded like a really lovely lady. She did. She did. Now, of course, um, this is the Jaffe memo. This one actually went to the government. I'll just mention three aspects here. Again, watch the series on my channel if you want to see more details. But notice here, encourage increased homosexuality. Put fertility control agents in the water supply and abortion and sterilization on demand. Source a family planning perspectives special supplement published by the Planned Parenthood World Population, New York City, 1970. And this eventually went all the way up to you know, the U.S. government. This was discussed in this document. So... This is the kind of thing that they were planning to deal with world population issues. Does this sound familiar? Gay, make, you know, gay, well, gay, all the things. Sound you, know familiar? What's, you know, what's funny is Alex Jones, love him or hate him, you know, whatever. He gets a lot of stuff he was wrong. Right. Prophet, prophet Alex he was Jones. right about the Call putting the stuff in the water to make the frogs gay and, and all that. He was right about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. What a world when Alex Jones is right. Humble. Water filter salesman was correct. What a world when Alex Jones is right, ladies and gentlemen. What a world. Yep. So, and this was in Science Magazine, of course. You know, it had to go in Science Magazine because this is science. Gaying all the things is scientific, right? And of course, you need here establishment of involuntary fertility control, the mass use of fertility control agents designed to lower fertility, including the water supply, and of course, marketable licenses to have children. I guess the Chinese are doing that now. See, this is the kind of thing that atheists love. And now it's part of the hearings before the Special Subcommittee on Human Resources, 93rd Congress. So yeah, this thing went to the government, just so by the way. Yep. Okay, so I'm going to run through some of this stuff. Uh, we're going to skip over some of this. Marquis de Sade, an induced abortion. Okay, this is from the National Institute of Library, blah, blah, blah. You can see it's, a, it's an official document. The atheist Marquis de Sade published his blah, blah, blah. He held that all life was cheap, and he spent most of his life attacking God and the Christian church. The Marquis de Sade, you've all heard of him. He gave us the words, this atheist gave us the words sadism and sadist. He attacked established religion, morality, family ties, and social structures. He advocated sodomy, incest, lust, and cruelty for its own sake. He scorned the view that man is not responsible for his own existence, and God grants an embryoed soul. He said, no, 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 we, we are nothing to do with God. The realistic view, according to Desaad, was that since murder is such a trivial matter, destruction of an infant, which has not achieved the age of reason, is of small consequence. Now remember, this is the Margaret Sanger position. It's also, you'll be surprised when you go through the series with me, it's the Darwinist position. So he suggested that it was due to Desaad's writing that induced abortion received the impetus which resulted in its subsequent popularity and use in Western society. That is from the National Institutes of Health website in a PubMed document. So these are atheist ideas that have now Darwin legitimizes him, right? So this, now he speaks of the primitive state of perpetual strife and destruction for which nature's hand created us. And Darwin speaks of the eternal struggle. Of course, you've got the Leninist talk of the class struggle. Then of course, you've got the jihadists talk about the jihad. Somehow they're always talking about some sort of struggle. Well, and this is Hitler had Mein Kampf. 
This is Gnostic. It's Gnostic because there's always this idea that you are in this perpetual state of chaos against the sort of duality of the universe. And, you know, uh, you find this in the Mesopotamian creation myths, you know, the idea that they go down into the Hades, into the substrate, and they bring back the pieces to make the human beings. Like, this is all just Mm -hmm. pagan ideology. And I'm reading this book again, Creation Rediscovered, and one of the insights that he makes, which is very interesting, is he says, it's not survival of the fittest, it's survival of the luckiest. Um, Because uh, there's no organism, uh, whether it's a elephant or a mouse doesn't matter how big and strong or small and weak there's no organism that can withstand an avalanche or an earthquake or uh, a a flood so you know if you happen to be the strongest type of proto kangaroo or whatever and you get wiped out because there happens to be a famine in your area it's not the strongest that survived it's the luckiest so even the logic behind doesn't make any sense no it doesn't and in fact darwin writes from death famine rape and the concealed war of nature there you go the struggle again we can see that the highest good which we can conceive, the creation of the higher animals, has come. So hold on. The highest good in nature, right? the higher animals of which we are the peak, according to the Darwinists, came from death, famine, rape, and war. These are Darwin's words. Man is not made in the image of God, but from death, rape, and violence. There's an important comment in the chat here I need to deal with. This is from Elvis. He says, why don't people from Toronto pronounce a second T in Toronto? I don't know, but if I ever... I'm not from Toronto. I'm from Ontario. I'm from southwestern Ontario. But if I said Toronto, I would feel like I was committing treason. So it is Toronto. Uh, If you're from Toronto, you might say Toronto. Uh, And that's just the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, English is a funny language. You know, how is it Lancashire when it's spelt like Lancashire? But uh, that's just the way people talk. So there you go. Melbourne when it's Melbourne. Because if you say correctly, it's the bin identity, not the born identity, because it's Mal Bin. Okay, I see. These are jokes, ladies okay, and gentlemen. Okay, so Leonard Darwin, so I'm going to skip ahead here. Leonard Darwin is Darwin's son. And he says, so he, all of Darwin's children were eugenicists. All of them promoted eugenics. All of them belonged to eugenic societies. And he says here that, of course, the eugenics movement needs to be expanded into state agencies. And they need to direct the lives of the poor. And if all this were done, it can hardly be doubted that many strains would be discovered, which no one could deny ought to be made to die out in the interests of the nation. So certain issues that affect poor people, you know, criminality, insanity, ill health, and the poverty of your relatives, we we need those people to die out in the interests of the nation. This is the Darwin family speaking. Yep, this is it. Right. Yep. Of course, Darwin refers to women. So then you have this guy, this Darwinist, Mr. Dubois Raymond, who referred to women in their lectures as he's a, these are scientists at scientific conventions, right? Where he referred to women as human mother animals. Or in German, Menschliche Muttertiere. So women were human mother animals. This is the same thing as, uh, you know, in the stupid hospital forms and stuff. You know, it's like the birthing person, chest feeding. I mean, this is all just Darwin. It's just a yes. bunch of nonsense. Yep. So I need to skip over a bunch of this stuff. Um, now, no newborn infant should be declared human until it has passed certain tests regarding its genetic endowment. And if it fails these tests, it forfeits the right to live. Dr. Francis Crick, Nobel Prize winner for DNA. Yep. So, yeah, there you go. So genocide is immunology, the psychosomatic source of culture. By re- There you go. Just kill them all. Just kill them all. So genocide, 
killing people is immunology, societal immunology. Get rid of the weak cells and then you'll have a healthy society. This was the idea that was promoted in World War I by the, by the, by the leaders of Germany. Kill all the weak and you'll have a greater world, a better world. Murder everybody and 30 million people later. Well, speaking of immunology, I promise you two, we won't make any connections between this information and what happened between the years 2020 and 2022. I promise we won't talk about that. Nothing to do with immunology, nothing to do with controlling society, nothing to do with uh, bad science. It has nothing to do with Islam. Yep. So, of course, now you had evolutionary racism. This was part and parcel of Darwin. I've already discussed previously how Darwin was extremely racist, and he spoke of the lower races. And they said they are harsh, inexorable laws of evolution that ruled human civilization and nature alike. And this conferred upon the favored races the right to dominate others. And of course, people like Hitler and Hitler's forebears in the First World War believed that. And of course, theological beliefs are incompatible with scientific data and unreasonable, according to these people. So these people were very much dead set against religion. I'm going to have to skip through this. All right. So now, basically, the, now we go to the Germans, the political leaders in Germany from before World War I in the late 1800s, from the 1870s onwards, they saw basically that Darwin gave them a biological justification for world domination based on Darwin's own statements, right? A biological justification for world domination based on Darwin's own statements. And therefore they felt, let's take the room and if we kill these people, we're actually cleansing and purifying the race. And Darwin writes, the civilized races have extended and are now everywhere extending their range so as to take the place of the lower races. So just hope you don't get called the lower races because then they have the right to dominate and kill you. What 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 race would Justin Trudeau belong to? Because he seems pretty low to me. I think there's some truth to that. Cuban, obviously, like his dad. <laughs> That's right. Right. So now we get into the Germans. So now we'll talk about this. Lebensraum. Now, what you've got here is Nazi propaganda slide for Hitler Youth presentation. 5,000 years of German culture and the need for living space in Germany. And basically growing numbers of people in Nordland were forced to look for a new habitat. The inwardly crumbling Roman Empire collapses with the German onslaught. You just mentioned the destruction of the Roman Catholic Empire. Yeah, that's right. right. This was part of their plan to destroy the Christian world. And of course, this was part of the Nazi approach that this would give them land. And of course, then, of course, you had various Lutheran theologians, like you had Kittel, right? He wanted to reestablish Christianity on a moral foundation, utilizing Nazi propaganda and so on. But we'll skip over that. Right now, according to Darwin's theory, the physically weaker and the less intelligent, the morally lower, must give place to the stronger. German biologist Heinrich Ziegler, just as in nature, the struggle for existence is the moving principle of evolution and perfection. So the destruction of the weaker nations through the stronger is a postulate of progress. German ethnologist Friedrich Helwald, 1875. The war of annihilation is a natural law without which the organic world could not continue to exist. German zoologist Gustav Jäger, 1870. Such mating is contrary to the will of nature for a higher breeding of all life. The precondition for this does not lie. Okay, what he says here, the stronger must dominate and not blend with the weaker, thus sacrificing his own greatness. Adolf Hitler. Germans were very proud standard bearers for Darwin. And these are all Darwinian ideas. And they simply, Darwin actually wrote in one letter that the Germans are where my ideas have taken root and the Germans are the ones who will take my ideas forward in the world. There you go. Your thoughts on that? Well, the German bishops suck pretty bad today. So 
I don't know. Seems to be something about Germany. Yep. So what you've got is these people are saying that we have a right. We have a biological right on the basis of our superiority to take the land of all other, other races and wipe them out. And we will actually improve nature. We are cleaning nature. We are making nature better through our war. Now, of course, Heraclitus, Darwinian. So Heraclitus writes here, war is the father of all and the king of all. He renders some gods and others men. He makes some slaves and others free. Now, of course, he also writes, Heraclitus writes, couples are holes and not holes. What agrees disagrees. And the concordant is discordant from all things one and from one all things. Which is, in other words, opposites. This is Gnostic. It's this Hinduism. is very Eastern Gnostic. It's, it's, this is it's, not even... it's, yeah, it's Eastern pantheism. Yes, correct. Yeah. And this is where I skipped over some of those slides, but this is exactly where this kind of thinking leads to, but it's also where it comes from. You know, when I was a teacher, when I was a teacher, I was teaching religion and there was a textbook available. Like I was teaching world religions as well. I taught, I took, I took, taught Catholicism, but we had to teach them about world religions. Fine, whatever. I taught them in a way that was good and showed they were false. But the point is, is one of the um, resources we had was the selection of the Bhagavad Gita. Was it either that or... Yeah, I think it was the Bhagavad Gita. It was one of them. There's two, whatever. One of the Hindu texts. And um, and I was reading it, and I remember reading it, and ultimate, like immediately, I'm reading through this. It was a dialogue between some deity and some whatever. And I really started to feel like that creepy feeling when you know the devil's around. It was like that really creepy, mm -hmm. like, ooh. Like, and um, yeah. because he was saying... The, the, the dialogue was something like, you know, to the angels of heaven, I am them, and or I am their king, and to the demons of the lower parts, I am their king as well. And I was like, whoa, this is really dark. This is pantheism, and this is exactly what you're saying here. Yep, and of course, these ideas make their way into Darwinism. Darwin's ideas are based on ideas like this from, from um, Heraclitus, the war is the father of all. And I go into this, of course, I'll sit in more detail on the series on my channel. I've written here completely fictitious quotes myself. You can see here, hot is cold and cold is hot. Good is bad and bad is good. Justice is injustice and injustice is justice. Democracy is dictatorship and dictatorship is democracy. All contradictions harmonize. These are completely fictitious. I just wrote these. So this is exactly the level of, shall we say, incoherence and irrationality that is being spread here. Okay, so let me see. So what you've got is New Republic. The fact of evolution is not only inherently atheistic, it is inherently anti-theistic. It goes against the nation that there is a God. This, of course, is in the New Republic and, of course, creationism for liberals. That's what, that's what evolution is. That's what Darwinism is. And now, scientific racism. Now, what you had is these. the first genocide of the 20th century was committed by the Germans who had adopted and really enthusiastically adopted Darwin's ideas. They murdered 80% of the African Herero population in what we call Namibia today, or Southwest Africa. And 50% of the Nama population was slaughtered between 1904 and 1908. And the persecution began in 1884, 12 years after Darwin published his first book. Or roughly 14 years after Darwin published his first book. Yeah, 14 years, right? And of course, what you had is at the outset we cannot do without the natives but they finally have to melt away where the climate allows the white man to work philanthropic views cannot banish darwin's law of the survival of the fittest and this was government policy 
Well, that was nice of them. Out. That was nice of them. I mean, give the natives a few years before you kill them. Like, I mean, you know, have a little have a little fun in the sun before your time's up. That's nice scientism right there. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of science that that they, for some reason, don't cover in school, right? So let's have a look at this. So <clears throat> one missionary stated here, the average German looks down upon the natives as being about on the same level as the higher primates, baboon being their favorite term for the natives, and he treats them like animals. Now, it's interesting that this whole Darwinism actually created atheism, but a, but a racist form of atheism. And the average, okay, so that, <clears throat> and just like the, they treat babies on the same level as tumors. That's a quote, actually, that I found that where they speak about babies as tumors. And also, General Trocha or von Trotter stated in a newspaper article that Germans should not resist his order of extermination on the basis of the low economic value of the Hereros because they had no economic value. It was okay to kill them. When I was at the March for Life in, in Ottawa, uh, the Canadian March for Life a couple years ago, I interviewed, there's a, there's a, you can find it on LifeSite somewhere of the interview that I did but um, I went around like the Matt Walsh thing and I walked around with the microphone and I asked all the crazy blue haired people like what they thought and um, one of the guys who was there was actually a Satanist he was waving a Satanism flag and he said he, he was an abortionist because of Satanism and I had it on film um, but there was other just young people uh, that I talked to and they would just repeat these lines like it's just a clump of cells it's just a clump of cells like it's just it's like a parasite you don't have to keep a parasite and, you know, these poor young ladies, I mean, they're teenagers and, you know, they're probably very troubled and it's, you know, that's a failure in parenting, of course, and education. Um, but then I talked to these ladies in their thirties and, uh, you know, like they have jobs like respectable, like they weren't like these crazy unkempt types. They were just regular middle-class women and they were really aggressive about it. And, uh, I pushed them on it and they basically just said, well, it's like a parasite. It's like a parasite. And, uh, I just was like, man, that's just so dark. And it's the same stuff we're seeing here. I mean, it's just, it's not human until you say it's human. It's crazy in the States. If you kill, if you destroy the egg of a bald eagle, for instance, if I recall correctly, you'll get fined 250,000 US dollars. You're exactly correct. Something like that here with special animals. Or you drive over a snake in like the desert. That's like an endangered snake. It's like a million dollar fine. It's crazy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's insane. Now this Lothar von Trotter said that they needed to leave the area or face extinction. He put them in concentration camps to die from malnutrition and exhaustion. And of course they did medical experiments on them and their skulls were collected, right? For experts to be studied by experts in racial science. We saw that in World War II because they were doing exactly what had happened before World War I. Hitler wasn't unique or original. He was simply copying what the Darwinists before him had done. And they killed more than 80% of the Herrero people. And of course, they eventually sent the skulls back for proper burial. And I don't think they ever got any reparations. This was the kind of conditions the Germans put them under back then. There was a um, Catholic bishop. He was uh, Scottish. Uh, Man, O'Hare might have been. They're always named something like that. But he was in China at the time of the the Maoist Revolution. And he said, and this is on record, the Kolbe Center has a record of this in their evolutionary research, uh, creationist sort of stuff. And um, he showed that the first thing that they would teach when they would go into a village to make them into Maoists, they wouldn't teach them Marxist economic theory. They would teach them evolutionary theory. They'd teach them Darwinian, Darwinian theory. 
And this was admitted by them because they said as, as long as we made them understand that they were beasts, we could treat them like beasts. So it's not just the Germans. It's all of these totalitarian regimes. There's uh, legitimate evidence that Lenin had a uh, little statue thing on his desk and it was a chimp contemplating the skull of a man. Um, uh, uh, Stalin read Darwin's when he was Stalin was in the pre-seminary sort of thing as a young man mm-hmm. in, to, in Georgia, not the state, but the country. And he was um, he read Darwin and he talks about reading it all night and he couldn't sleep and he gets up the next morning and he just knew that God didn't exist. And he wanted to, basically he went into the seminary to evangelize those out of the seminary. It's at the heart of all of this. Yeah. Marx was a Darwinist too. Hitler was a Darwinist. In fact, Hitler states he was a materialist. Andy states he's a Darwinist. So which camp does that put him in? Now, for instance, you've got this general, Friedrich von Benhardi, published his bestseller, Germany and the Next War. He argued that the struggle for existence is in the life of nature, the basis of all healthy development. Therefore, war is a biological necessity. And that's why they fought World War I, for the healthy development of the world. That's why we need to kill 28 million people. So unfortunately, these Germans, all of them, justified World War I and World War II on the basis of Darwinian ideals, right? So now, of course, they, I'll skip this, I'll skip over some of these, right? But now Darwin says, the support which I receive from Germany is my chief ground for hoping that our views will ultimately prevail. The younger naturalists are almost all on my side and sooner or later the public must follow those who make the subject their special study. That was Darwin writing. This is Darwin's own letter. So Germany and these Germans who are saying that, look, we need to kill everything for the sake of a healthy society. And we need to help nature by just killing off the weak and the ugly and the undesirable and the poor and the mentally unwell by our definition, right? We need to kill them off. Those are Darwinist ideas. And these are, these are not an irrational expression. These are properly expressing Darwin. People need to understand, Lloyd and I were talking about this before we started recording. We were talking about the, the, the intellectual roots of the crisis that we have in the church today with modernism and so forth. And we were going back to these ideas that were pre-Lutheran that were Anselm and, and Occam and things like that. But these ideas of basically nominalism. But the point is, is that this stuff really flourished in Germany um, because of the Lutheran heresy. And Luther was a nominalist. He rejected that there were essences of things ultimately. So a thing wasn't really what it was. It was just the appearance of that thing. And this played into his theology where he believed that he didn't believe that there was any perfection of the soul through grace. Uh, that's why he would talk about things like, you know, you're, you're like a dung heap covered in white snow. God just covers up the whatever. Because anyway, he had this crazy view of essences and substances and things. So it makes perfect sense that we have this rise of... Uh, well, look at the German philosophers, Hegel and Kant, um, these men who really did create these insane systems in this Germanic world. There was, you know, the Austrians, Germans, whatever, passed around all these intellectual circles. And um, so by the time we get to the 1800s, we have this liberal Protestant biblical exegesis, which essentially rejects any of the supernatural realities and explains them away with... um, you know, natural things, whatever, you know, the, 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 actually Ben Shapiro espouses some of these views when he talks about the parting of the Red Seas. And it was, uh, Maimonides said there was a strong wind or something like that. There was the idea that you explain away all of these, these supernatural events. And this is why you're going to see in German society, such an acceptance of this, because it was, it was, it, Martin Luther is behind sort of laying the groundwork and setting and, and building fertile soil for this. 
Yeah. No, true. And in fact, um, this is one about Pope Pius X, and I'm, I will be talking about that also in January. I've got a whole series planned already. It's already finished um, to talk about this and introduce these ideas and show just how how these are also known heretical ideas. Like, for instance, the people think of Calvin was a crazy, you know, was a crazy um, predestination, you know, theology. However, Martin Luther was the one who actually created that. Calvin was simply repeating Martin Luther. People didn't realize Luther himself also believed in no free will and double predestination. And um, in fact, the Catholic Church had, had already in the 580s, 590s, already condemned this as what they called the predeterminarian heresy. And then again, they did it in the 11 or 1200s and again in the 1600s. This was a long known heresy that dated back to the ancient Greeks, the pagan Greeks. And it was condemned by the Catholics and Martin Luther revived a lot of heretical ideas and pagan ideas. You know, in fact, Gnostic ideas. This this is important to bring up quickly here because a lot of people they'll say, well, the Catholic Church hasn't condemned evolution. Well, this is the thing about heresies, like you're just saying here. Martin Luther is espousing basically a different version of something that is espoused years before, and the Church mm-hmm. is, for good reason, is is there's a, a merciful aspect of it's kind of like the courts. You know, you have to have something beyond reasonable doubt. You know, you, you don't want to put an innocent man in jail. You're not going to condemn a man as a heretic publicly in an official sense unless it's absolutely clear that after receiving warnings that he's pertinacious in this. And this is a process. It takes years sometimes um, because. You know, if you're looking at the writings of someone and there's a way to interpret it that it's heretical and there's a way to interpret it that it's not, uh, even Aquinas is saying you must give the benefit of the doubt in doubtful matters. So you've got to be careful with these things, right? Um, But this is why evolution, listen, evolution, one day there will be some sort of formulation where we have this modern theory of evolution as condemned. Um, It was basically condemned at the First Vatican Council in principle when you actually read the documents there about uh, you have to believe all things created in the beginning and their whole substance from nothing, you know, if not, let them be anathema. That's very much, I think that makes evolution impossible. I don't know how people get beyond that quick reading of it. And that was in 1870, which was right around this time, which makes sense. But one day there will be a condemnation. It'll be very clear. It'll be, you know, if so-and-so believes that from the molecular whatever, you know, it'll have to be something like that. But, But all these ideas in their in the seeds of these ideas have been condemned in the past and you have to go back to these old councils and things to find it. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to this case, the council of orange or council of orange already condemned those ideas. Okay. Let's finish this. Let's try and finish up. I should be now Daniel Dennett. He's a materialist atheist philosopher. He called Darwin's idea, a universal acid that dissolves every ethical and moral system it encounters, which I think is quite a telling statement. Because they gleefully talk about how this dissolves Christian ethical ideas, Christian moral ideas, because they want to introduce their own. All right, let's continue. Now, Darwinian science devalues human life. We've already shown you some of this, all right? And um, let me just continue through this. Um, This is Darwinian scientist. This is Robbie Kosman, German zoologist. And he speaks of the importance of the life of an individual in the Darwinian world. And you must look upon the present sentimental conception of the value of life of a human individual as an overestimate, which hinders the progress of humanity. Individual rights gets under the feet of our glorious progress. The state only has an interest in preserving the more excellent life at the expense of the less excellent. And you, I don't know, Kennedy, I hope you're not part of the less excellent because then we're going to have to uh, get rid of your life, you know? Well, you know, I gave it my best shot. So uh, 
let the monkeys let the monkeys be my judge. You know, I'm just yeah, a humble, see, must, I'm humble servant. Yeah. So we must reach a higher level of perfection through the destruction of a less well endowed individual. Destruction here means the death of. Oh my God. These are actually the ideas that these Darwinists were preaching. This, is, this in stuff their... is insane. If you present yep. this stuff to someone, like this is. This is like when Sam, for example, Sam Shamoon talks to Muslims about the Quran and will show, and not just that, but all the writings, they don't even know what they know, right? They don't even know what they don't know about their own religion. And he'll show them like, no, child marriage with like a three-year-old is fine. And uh, they'll be like, no, it's not. And they sh and he shows them and they just kind of go silent and usually leave leave Islam. This is the kind of stuff that has to be shown to evolutionists. It's like, this is what you believe if you follow this. You've just never thought about this. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to skip over civic biology. Civic biology was a book, textbook that was in schools that were teaching Darwinism. Now it's crazy. You, they were teaching Darwinism directly, but you can't teach Christian theology in schools. Now, civic biology, the remedy, if such people were lower animals, we would probably kill them off to prevent them from spreading. What do we do with the lower races? <laughs> this was a school textbook. Just get rid of them. Come on. There's too many. You know, we're, we've got a population bomb. We're not going to get past a billion people. Okay, fine. Two billion. Okay, fine. Three. Okay, fine. Eight billion. Listen, if we get nine billion, we got to kill the rest off. I mean, we just got to keep, it's like we got two more weeks. If we keep doing, yep. we keep slow the spread two more weeks. If we do communism harder, it's going to work. Just trust the plan, ladies and gentlemen. This has nothing to do with, like, this is nothing like the QAnon conspiracy at all. Just trust the yep. plan. So Hitler, of course, believed the nation had become weak and corrupted by what he called dysgenics, where degenerate elements were allowed to breed with the pure German race. And he praised Sparta, right? So this is the whole Hitler. So the Jews and black people like yours truly were inferior. Right? And don't forget, it's the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. In the jihad for life, we must preserve the preserved races in the jihad for life. Mein Kampf, my jihad, right? my fight. People, people translate it as struggle, but Mein Kampf, Kempfen, to fight. Right? The jihad for life. Now, of course, Marx, right? ever since Marx's death, when Engels linked the two names together in his funeral oration at Marx's graveside, so Engels gave a speech on Darwin at Marx's funeral. Of all things, right? Nothing, so nothing to do with Islam, Lloyd. Nothing yeah. to do with Islam, okay? Nothing to do with, sorry? Nothing to do with Islam. All right, remember that. No, no. And of course, Marx did send a copy of his book to Darwin saying, I really love your ideas. You're awesome. Please sign this copy and keep it for yourself. Letter from Charles Darwin to Karl Marx saying, look, blah, blah, blah. But basically, yes, Darwinism was an inspiration to Karl Marx who believed in Darwin's ideas. Right, so Clown Marx sent a signed copy of Das Kapital to Darwin because Darwin provided the scientific foundation for his dialectical materialism. So that is true. So all of the worst, all of the worst dictators and the most the worst ideas on in history of the last 250 years comes straight out of Darwin. The last 200 years comes out of Darwin. Now, of course, you've got your Darwinism and sociology by this professor, and of course, the evolution of the material conditions of society is in accord with Darwin's theory. This is the um, these the international socialist um, something uh, review. So this is explained by the incessant strife or the struggle or the war of the various classes with each other. In the end, Marx, like Darwin, finds finds the source of all progress in struggle in jihad. Both are grandsons of Heraclitus, where war is the father of all. War purifies war. You see, we just saw what Heraclitus was an incoherent idiot. But fine. I like how you just said you found the. The, the source of all progress in jihad <laughs> just gloss over that that was good yeah 
So yeah, okay, I've got 20 more pages to go. So hopefully we, you know, we're, hopefully I'm not rushing too fast or skipping over too much. Okay. So, so Malthus also plays a role. So let's talk about this then. So Nazi policy is devoted to Darwin. Nazism was based on Charles Darwin's doctrine of the survival of the fittest. Hitler stated the higher race would always conquer a lower race because this is what the law of evolution demands. He was implementing science. So he was doing Darwinian science. And we saw Darwin make exactly the same statements. He was paraphrasing Darwin. He was not corrupting Darwin. He was repeating Darwin. The German conquest had its foundational doctrine solidly based on Darwinian evolutionary thinking. Wayne Frey, PhD, Professor Emeritus of Biology, King's College. All right. And then, of course, science participated in the genocide of World War II because German scholars and intellectuals that Darwin praised as accurately representing his ideas provided the ideas and techniques which led to and justified the slaughter of the Jews and other inferior races. Now, of course, Hitler put out these propaganda posters. If we allow the inferior races to breed, then the normal people will shrink in proportion to the, let's say, the not-so-well races. And therefore, we have to kill them off before we are dwarfed by inferior people. You see the problem here. So they had to do it for the sake of science. So Listen. Mentally unwell. I'm so glad we live in an age of no propaganda. Vaccines save lives. Okay, go on. Yes, yes, exactly. So, yeah, let's continue with this. Um, now, Hitler promised to bring prosperity and moral improve, improvement, and he created a higher and better person. How? By killing off the unwell. He persecuted political enemies. He eliminated criminality and social deviance. Now, don't forget, we've showed examples just briefly of others who also stated Darwin's own child, Darwin's son, stating we have to identify the criminally deviant, we have to identify the poor and eliminate them. Now, he didn't say we've got to take them outside and shoot them in the head, but that's kind of implied, right? When we eliminate them, he didn't say feed them, house them, educate. He said eliminate them. And they portrayed the Nazis as decent, clean-cut, upstanding members of society. And so there you go. And they criticized modern urban society for its rampant immorality. But of course, they just had a different breed of immorality. Now, of course, Hitler had no use for weak Christianity. I have an entire series on Hitler, Hitler's beliefs. He was by no means a Christian, nor were the people around him Christians. All right. And of course, he says here, the stronger before God in the world has the right to impose its will. The right by itself is completely useless if a mighty power does not stand behind it. Right alone is of no use to whomever does not have the power to impose his right. All of nature is a constant struggle between power and weakness, a constant triumph of the strong over the weak. This is a paraphrase of Darwin. I skipped over the whole, the, 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 the survival of the fittest. I skipped over that slide, but th those are Darwin's and Spencer's terms, the survival of the fittest, the struggle for survival, the struggle of nature. These are Darwinian terms. Sounds Hitler like Nietzsche. Sounds Darwinist, like Nietzsche too. Was a Darwinian theorist. He was a Darwinist. It sounds like Darwin. It sounds like Nietzsche as well, a little bit. It does. It does actually. Um, so Adolf Hitler's mind. This is Darwin before and after by Robert Clark. Adolf Hitler's mind was captivated by evolutionary teaching, probably since the time he was a boy. These ideas undisguised lie at the basis of all that is worst in mind jihad, and in his public speeches, mind come for mind jihad. In a speech at Nuremberg in 33, he argued that a higher race would always conquer a lower, and those are Darwin's words. Thus, there results the subjection of a number of people under the will, often of only a few persons, a subjection based upon the right of the stronger, a right which, as we see it in nature, can be regarded as the sole conceivable right because it is founded on reason. Atheist science for the win. 
That's right. It's all reasonable. This is all just total reason. There's nothing unreasonable about it. This is just good old science. Yes, exactly. So Martin Bormann, <clears throat> our national socialist worldview, stands on a much higher level than the concepts of Christianity, which in their essentials were taken over from Judaism. For this reason, we can do without Christianity. Now, the entire circle around, I've got a whole series on Hitler on this, which discusses how they were just anti-Christian. Right, so Hitler's opposition to Christianity was based on Darwinism, detailed by Oxford historian Alan Bullock, who wrote that Hitler showed the sharpest hostility towards Christianity because in Hitler's eyes, Christianity was a religion fit only for slaves, and he detested Christian ethics. Its teachings, he declared, was rebellion against the natural law of selection by struggle and the survival of the fittest. That's why we had World War II. He was making a better world, killing you for the sake of cleaning the population out. Yeah, fair enough, exactly. That's right. Yeah, so Christianity to Hitler was the systematic cultivation of human failure. See, that's why you need to have Darwinism. So now let's look at Islam and Darwinism. How much time do we have? Because I need to be sure I cover all of this as much as I um, Let's be so, 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so during the golden age of Islamic civilization, Muslim scholars proposed a prelim view of the evolutionary process called the Mohammedan theory of the evolution of man from lower forms in the journal Nature. Properly acknowledged Islamic scholarship, especially that of Al-Jahiz from the 700s, it seems clear that something like evolution by natural selection was proposed a thousand years before Darwin. That's in, that's in a thousand years before Darwinism, Islamic scholars writing about natural selection. Did Darwin die as a Muslim? Morocco World News. And then you've got Ibn Mishkaiwa wrote about the evolution of man in his Fazl Askar. And they speak here of animals engaged in a struggle for existing and for resources to avoid being eaten and to breed. Environmental factors influence them to develop new characteristics to ensure survival, thus transforming them into new species. Animals that survive to breed can pass on their successful characteristics. Al-Jahiz, now we're going back a thousand years before Darwin. Does that sound familiar? This is Muslim science. Everyone's got to go uh, watch our show that we did. The first show we actually ever did, I think, was on... Um uh basically the sons of abraham are we actually sons of abraham what does that mean it's a whole yep. thing but anyway in it lloyd shows through the writings of the scholars that are accepted by the who's who of islam over the years that um it's just it's it's it, it's it's a pantheistic reworking of in the beginning was the word and the word was with god this is from john it's like in the beginning was the muhammad and the muhammad was was god and was with god and we're all kind yep. of like creations of muhammad this is like ultimately what they believe in their sort of uh esoteric gnostic you know mystic practices um so the fact that they would have this development of this evolutionary theory makes perfect sense because ultimately what is it evolution is just scientific pantheism pantheism is that we're all atmans that are part of brahman and we're pieces that go away and we develop and then we come back in different forms if we come back you know as a if we've lived a bad life we come back as this type of whatever um evolution is the same way it is the exact same way so it, this is scientific this provides pantheism. that's what it, All is. it is yeah so in fact they speak of here right that these things become minerals and mineral life. So you have the creation of matter and its investment of energy by forming water vapor, which in turn becomes minerals and the great chain of being in a causal relationship. Even in the 14th century, you've got here humans developed from the world of monkeys. Where did I get, where have you heard that I'm battling here? Kennedy, okay. where did we get Say that, repeat, so show that again, show that again. So where is yeah. this? Humans developed from the world of the monkeys. And that's from this, uh, Ibn the 14th century by Ibn Khaldun in the Muqaddimah. 
Oh, that's insane. That's that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. Nothing to species, do with Islam. Nothing to do with Islam. Species become more numerous. And the earth began with abiotic components like minerals and slowly primitive stages of plants like herbs and seedless plants eventually developed into palms and vines. And this is Neoplatonism meets Sufism. See, this is, the Muslims had this. Now, how is this even scientific if this is part of the literally Neoplatonic pagan Muslim ideas from the 700s? It's scientific because Dawkins This is John so. William Draper. Sorry? It's scientific because Dawkins told us it was. Yep. So John William Draper <clears throat> died in 1882, English-born American scientist, and he writes of the history of the conflict between religion and science, right? The, yeah, very much on the nose. Theological authorities were constrained to look with disfavor on attempts to carry back the origin of the earth to an epoch indefinitely remote. And he was very disappointed because Darwin wouldn't acknowledge and science wouldn't acknowledge the Mohammedan theory of the evolution of man from lower forms and his gradual development to his present condition in the long lapse of time. <clears throat> That's crazy, Nothing man. to do with Islam. That's crazy, yeah. So understand, this is all, Darwin just gave it, shall we say, scientific language, but these ideas were pagan. These ideas were the, with the craziest pagan philosophers and of course with the Muslims from back in the day. So this goes to Rumi. You can find Rumi's poetry and then you find Darwin's grandfather's poetry. Are they very similar? I think Darwin's grandfather was reading Rumi's poetry on evolution because Rumi had evolution from mineral forms. And then first man appeared in the class of inorganic things. Then he passed there from into plants. For years, he lived as one of the plants. And then he remembers nothing of his inorganic state. And then he goes to the animal state and the vegetative state to the animal state. And then blah, 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 blah. blah. So basically, yeah, that, that's all it is. Okay, <clears throat> so Darwin and the philosophers, this is in the Lancet, very well known, right? So did Darwin discover evolution, right? When Darwin wrote the theory that complex life developed from simple life, he was simply repeating what his grandfather Erasmus had written, okay? So did Darwin then discover the mechanism of natural selection? No, his achievement was to propose that life developed and could be explained by mechanistic forces, natural selection. Life was material and consciousness was something based on atoms smashing together. But he mentions here Plato. This goes back to Pythagoras, Parmenides, Plato, a little bit of Aristotle, and so on. So basically, without going into length here, these ideas are very old pagan ideas. Darwin simply dressed them up nicely. And of course, did Darwinism too arrive from the East? First indications are promising. Because they speak of your Ghazali, oh, Muslim philosopher, good grief, the proof of Islam. And yes, Ibn Arabi, mm, Muslim ideas. Darwin was promoting Muslim ideas. Sounds Irish. To do with it. Sounds Irish. I think that name is Irish, Ibn Arabi. You know, it could be Southern Irish. You're right. It, I could be. It could be Southern Irish. It could definitely be Southern Irish, but I, I could be. Who knows? Now, I've experienced 770 molds. I died from minerality and became a vegetable. And from vegetables, I became an animal. And from animal, became man. You see? This is like his poetry of his grandfather. So this evolution all involves death, of course, in terms of the Sufis. <clears throat> so this is Sufi philosophy. Okay? So let me try and get done. I have 11 more slides to do. Now, now Malthus, okay, Thomas Malthus inspired Darwin, of course. And Thomas Malthus was inspired by a fabricated account of goats multiplying before being eaten by dogs on an island off the coast of Chile, where Alexander Selkirk had once supposedly been marooned. So even Thomas Malthus's idea 
of us running out of food and running out of resources. I mean, that's all garbage. We all know it's garbage, but they still believe it, right? So these ideas are all based on completely fictitious accounts. Now, all weak living things will perish in nature. In the last few decades, mankind has sinned frightfully against the law of natural selection. We haven't just maintained life unworthy of life. We've even allowed it to multiply. Darwin could well have written those words, but this actually comes from a book, okay, Victims of the Past, The Sin Against Blood and Race. So now life is only a burden to society. Lebens nur als last. Life only as a burden. In other words, these lives here should be killed because they are just a burden on society, which is what Canada is doing right now. I believe you have these eugenics laws, these science, these laws of, uh, what's the word, um, euthanasia laws? Yeah, medical well, assistance medical did. assistance in dying. It's called MAID. Well, the Nazis started this July 14th, 1953. The prevention of offspring with hereditary diseases. And in fact, they then went on to voluntarily, <laughs> not so much, kill off people they thought were a burden on society. See? So people who were not well, who were asocial, those were killed off. Now, Hitler's eugenics Bible. So I think we'll finish in time here. Hitler's eugenics Bible. So Madison Grant. So don't forget, the idea of this euthanasia started with, I mean, the, the Nazis. That idea has made its way into Canada now. Before, it was a war crime, and they had the Nuremberg trials over it, and now in Canada, it's just Tuesday, which is insanity. Yep, that's, that's so progress. Madison that's Grant, progress, baby. That's, that's democracy and freedom. Yep. So Madison Grant extolled the Nordic race and bemoaned its corruption by the Jews, the Negroes, the Slavs, and others. And he wrote a book called The Passing of the Great Race, The Racial Basis of European History, published 1916. Adolf Hitler wrote him fan mail. The Passing of the Great Race, he writes, mistaken regard for what are believed to be divine laws and a sentimental belief in the sanctity of human life tend to prevent both the elimination of defective infants and the sterilization of such adults as are themselves of no value to the community. I remember when I was unemployed. Good thing they never caught me. They could have killed me for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the laws of nature require the obliteration of the unfit and human life is valuable only when it is of use to the community or race. Don't have an accident and lose a leg because then you're just a burden to society. This is Darwinian ethics. This is atheist morality right here. Yeah, so in the fan sorry, mail... Sorry, 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 I was Hitler, muted. Sorry, one sec. I was muted. Yeah. I'm, I've never done I'll this I'll just finish before. my sentence. Okay. In the fan mail that Adolf Hitler wrote this guy, he called Grant's book his Bible. Yeah. Everyone believes this today, whether they know it or not. I was—I don't have TV. Uh, we don't—we don't have a television. We have computers, obviously. So if I watch anything, it's like streamed or purchased or whatever. So I've never seen commercials. The other day, I can't remember where I was. There was a commercial on, and I heard the commercial, and it was like talking about planning for your future, and it was like, well, you know, invest with us because you know you can. Maybe you want to have go on vacation. Maybe you want to have a kid. Maybe you want to do both. Maybe you want to do something else. And this seems so harmless, but you have to understand this mentality of this mentality of um, the vulnerable, vulnerable being so expendable that we can choose to have or not have them for the flourishing of those who have the privilege of being in positions of having wealth today. This is inherent in the most innocuous ways in what everyone believes. And this is why socialism is such a demonic lie is because it's predicated on this ability that they're oppressed 
by the work, the, the working classes oppressed by the, you know, the who's who, the powers that be. Yet in an, it in and of itself necessarily uh, uh, requires the suppression of the lower forms because it is Darwinian. It is a, that's why it's a continual circle of destruction that never ends. Yeah, it's incoherent. So this book, The Passing of the Great Race, was the first foreign book published by the Nazis. This Darwinian book. Right now, okay, I'm going to skip over Sir Fred Hoyle. So, you know, so let me play. Okay, I'm not going to play this, so I'm going to skip over this. Okay, so World War One left 16 million dead. Now, this is a low number. It's closer to ultimately about 28 million dead. Right? So many reports calculate double the 28 million dead. So I'll finish this section. It's the last five slides, right? If you don't mind, I'll just try and go through these without rushing too much. World War I was influenced by a rabid, atheistic militarism claiming to be science or based on science. The leading German intellectuals all argued that war was, an, was necessary, a necessity for the evolution of mankind and a natural part of the Darwinian struggle for survival. So the armies of the Second Reich overran Belgium, they were pressing into France, millions of Belgians were faced with starvation. And then this American businessman, this guy here, Herbert Hoover, oh, sorry, Herbert Hoover, before, yeah, before he became president, organized humanitarian relief. And Vernon Kellogg was the guy that took over the post of the American Commission for Relief in Belgium. And he was stationed with the, at the German headquarters in Belgium and France. He was housed with the leading German officers. And this is important, what I should tell you about here. He had regular dinner discussions with them every night on the battle for survival of the fittest. And he wrote in his book, it was a disturbing experience. He said the discussions would start at dinner last long into the night we talked and tried to understand one another to get the other man's point of view their point of view does not permit of a live and let live kind of carrying on it is a point of view that justifies itself by a wholehearted acceptance of the worst of neo-darwinism the omnipotence of natural selection applied rigorously to human life and society so to them darwinism was the was omnipotent it replaced god one officer was professor of zoology at a prominent German university. Kellogg described him as one of the most brilliant of present-day biologists. Professor von Flusen, that's not his name, is a biologist, and so am I. We talked out the biological argument for war, and especially the biological argument for this war. The captain professor has a logically constructed argument why, for the good of the world, there should be this war, and why, for the good of the world, the Germans should win it. Win it completely and terribly. He is a Darwinian as are most German biologists and natural philosophers. The creed of the Allmacht, which is the, the omnipotence of natural selection, is a, is a natural selection based on a violent and fatal competitive struggle, is the gospel of the German intellectuals. Struggle, bitter, ruthless struggle, is the rule among the different human groups. The struggle must not only go on, for that is the natural law, but it should go on that this natural law may work out in its cruel, inevitable way, the salvation of the human species. Your thoughts on this so far, Kennedy? Sorry, this was muted. I mute myself because I breathe heavy while you're speaking. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is religion. This is, this is, you know, this is, this is a pagan cult and, and this manifests itself in the evolutionists themselves who you know are impervious to any evidence because they believe the cult with all their heart 
Right. And of course, you've got, they said here, they must alternatively replace others or destroy them. So they must destroy or replace others who are lower on the social scale. And he says, this is the disheartening, disheartening kind of argument that I faced. Now, don't forget, Darwin stated the support which I receive from Germany is my chief ground for hoping that our views will ultimately prevail. That's Darwin. So the social Darwinism of World War II had a precursor in World War I. This guy was a pacifist, but then he campaigned after this for direct military U.S. intervention in the war to stop these ideologies. Right. So Darwin's theory was increasingly popular amongst Germany's intellectual elite. They they believed this was a blind struggle for existence where the, where the fittest survived and the less fit died off, or rather, as they stated, were killed off. And they believed, right, Darwin believed that social Darwinism should be applied to human societies. And we were harming humanity by helping the poor, by caring for the sick and saving those that nature would have killed off. These are Darwinian's own, Darwin's own words. These are Darwinian ideas. These were the corruption of Darwinism. Social Darwinism was created by Darwin. It's not something that people corrupted afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. so that makes sense. Humanitarianism, according to Darwin, would destroy the human race. Well, this is why, you know, this is why people can't think today. You know, again, we go back to this lockdown time uh, and all these phrases about, you know, we're all in this together. Basically, you got to do all, you got to basically sacrifice all of society so grandma can't die, you know, all these mentalities. And you would just call people out on their logic that have been the types that watch TV or whatever, the types that watch the news. And there was no coherence whatsoever. You know, on the one hand, uh, you know, uh, it's worth the government doing every possible thing that there could never be the loss of a life ever. You know, it's, they should ban dying. The government needs to, needs to ban dying. And the next breath, it's like, hey, it's pro-choice month. Everyone put your pro-choice flag on, you know, and um, or, you know, everyone needs to be safe. And it's like, hey, I don't want to take a vaccine that's 10 minutes old. Call me crazy. Well, you don't have that right because we have to worry about the whole of humanity, not just one person, you know, and it just there's constant conflict with reason because it's completely irrational. So Darwin wrote at some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, 14 years was all it took. The civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace throughout the world the savage races. Charles Darwin. Yeah. So they promoted racial, racial extermination. Remember, the war of annihilation is a natural law without which the organic world cannot continue to exist. So in other words, if you didn't kill all these people, life would come to an end on Earth. We have to kill you for the good of the planet. You must die. Right. So this was the idea. And this is uh, Theodore Roosevelt. One of the most graphic pictures of the German attitude, which has rendered this war inevitable, is contained in Vernon Kellogg's Headquarters Nights. It is a convincing and truthful exposition of the shocking and unspeakably dreadful moral and intellectual perversion of character, which makes Germany at present a menace to the whole civilized world. The man who reads Kellogg's sketch and yet fails to see why we are at war and why we must accept no peace save that of an overwhelming victory is neither a good American nor a true lover of mankind. Theodore Roosevelt. So, now real Darwinism, as you know, was not tried before. Now, among the defeated soldiers... <laughs> exactly. That's good. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Actually, I'm just going to... Can I stop sharing and just reshare? Because I'll just play a little video section rather than, rather than me... Uh, 
it's going to be easier. This is the last slide. So I'll rather just play this piece. Sure. If I may. Um, it's going to be, I'll stop sharing and then I will share my screen, but I have to enable the audio. Entire screen. I'm just going to play this for the audience. It's easier then for me to read it. Then they'll get it for themselves. Okay. It's one minute long, 60 seconds. Among the defeated soldiers of the German war machine was a young corporal in the Bavarian army. Intensely bitter at the defeat of Germany oh, sorry. and its allies, the corporal found new purpose for his life by embracing an even more fanatical social Darwinism than that which had been adopted by the leaders of the Second Reich. Within two decades, the whole world would know the corporal's name. And that's it. So that was the last slide. So he was a soldier in World War One. He embraced social Darwinism, rose to power, and implemented Darwin's ideas to the letter. And that is, and before him, the Germans in the 1870s had started committing genocide on the basis of Darwinism. Karl Marx, Lenin, Engels, their genocides were on the basis of Darwinism, of atheistic Darwinism. Darwin was a created moral monsters. He was a corrupter of morality and an enemy of morals and Christianity. So that's, I think that that's, I know I've rushed through some sections, but the longer section is on my video channel, my channel, but that's the story here and your thoughts, Kennedy. Yep. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, check out Lloyd's channel. Uh, if you just like look up his name, Lloyd DeYoung, I think he actually put the link to his channel in the comments or something like that. You can find it. Um, it's very simple. Just look up Lloyd DeYoung. If I remember, I'll try to remember to actually put a to link to it in my comments of like the description box of the video. But yes. So ladies and gentlemen, you know, there's this, there's an expression, ideas have consequences. If you believe that people descend from beasts, then you will descend into treating people like beasts. And, um, I would like to have, have a little word of warning to all the Catholic sort of theistic evolutionists out there who basically accept the pseudoscience of Darwinian evolution and call it something else, but that's what it is. Um, it is very anti-scriptural. It does not fit with the plain senses of scripture whatsoever. It is not found anywhere in the church fathers. Please stop using St. Augustine to talk about it because that's a bastardization of, of Augustine. He laughed at people who thought the universe was more than 10,000 years old. Um, there's actually even evidence that St. Augustine was a paleontologist, and there's an article at The Remnant uh, newspaper talking about this, and he wrote in his diary about being present when they discovered a massive tooth that they believed from the Nephilim. Uh, it was bigger than any human tooth or any animal tooth could be. Anyway, this, the point is, is he's not your evolutionist. Augustine is not your evolutionist. Aquinas is not your evolutionist. Uh, stop using them that way. This is a demonic philosophy that has been used as a way of inferring things that just aren't there for modern philosophy. And the consequences of it is that young people will leave the Catholic Church, they'll leave the faith. Why would they stay in a church that that offers them a, a, a stupid, unscientific philosophy that's clearly, you know, uh, usurped by this reasonable scientism? And when they get there, they'll become nihilists like people are today. And, and there's no way to stop that. So uh, I thank you, Lloyd, for everything that you've shown us with this, because I think that illuminates that perfectly.
You're welcome. Yeah. So, yeah. What have you taken away from this? And what do you think the audience will take away from this, from this information? Well, I think like everything, the main thing is they'll realize that they've been lied to about Darwin, about all these things. Um, and uh, they need to, well, again, think twice about the roots of their ideas. You know, you can't have a, you can't have a ship be off by one degree if it has, has a thousand mile trip. It doesn't seem like a lot in the beginning, but in the end, you will crash or be in the middle of nowhere. You'll, you'll die at sea, right? You have to be going the right direction. And the, the notions behind Darwinian evolutionary theory are anti-Christian, anti-rational notions that if you follow them, you will end up stranded in a, sin of, in a sea of iniquity. And I think that's the main thing people will understand. Yeah, I just find it, someone mentioned to me, I find it odd that in... In Islam, as you mentioned, it's all Gnostic, this 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 dualism you've got. In Islam, you have the jihad, the struggle against the other. In Mein Kampf, you had the struggle, right, with, with Hitler. In uh, Gnosticism, you've got, obviously, you, you're working against the dark, evil god of the world. In, in so many of these ideologies, you've got the dialectical struggle with Marx, with Lenin, with Stalin. You've got the struggle, the struggle, the struggle, the fight, the fight, the fight. It's interesting that all of these crazy Gnostic ideologies and all have this struggle, this fight, there's no sense of peace. There's no sense of integration. It's actually just this, this, everything else has to be destroyed. It's just insanity that they all have this overlap. And in Christianity, we have a real struggle, which is a struggle against our own sin. Uh, everyone else in all these pagan philosophies, it's the world. It's everyone else. It's not you. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else. Whereas in Christianity, it's like, no, I am a sinner. Um, and therefore, I will struggle against these sins. And by God's grace, I'll be perfected. And I'll go to a place where there is no more as Revelation says, or Apocalypse says, you know, no more tears, no more pain, and so forth, because the struggle is interior. Uh, it is not somebody else's fault. I actually wrote a piece yeah, years ago. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's right. So it doesn't. So it's very dem democratic in that it democratizes this idea. It doesn't place you as superior. That's right. And I wrote an article. It was one of my first articles published by any notable place in 2018 or 2019 i can't remember and it was by the Colbay center and i wrote how evolutionary theory encourages men to actually be effeminate <laughs> uh because i said the logic of evolutionary theory is that it's somebody else's fault everything is somebody else's fault so you know um you see this today with all these quote-unquote male influencers you know these idiots and it's like well you know it's not man's fault that he needs to bed a lot of women because that's how he was made and it's like no, that's not how he was made. Uh, but it just shows you that if you buy into these ideas, you'll become immoral. Right. True enough. All right. Actually, I want to... What do you want to say here? I'm just going to drop the playlist, my Darwin playlist. I'll drop it in the chat. I've got my channel link, but this is my Darwin playlist. All right. In the chat as well. So you can see my Darwin series. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, check it out there in the chat. Um, I've got to log off here. It's uh, lunchtime here. I got my wife is I joke. She's in the terminal stages of the pregnancy. She's like 12 months pregnant. So I got to go help finish a couple things uh, before lunchtime. Lloyd, thank you for this. We'll have you back on. Um, I'm going to take a little break after the next couple weeks because we're having our baby. Uh, but we'll do something in the new year. I think we're going to talk about um, why atheism is just so rational and the French Revolution was so peaceful. And oh, uh, terrific. Yeah. It's also, a, yeah. for those in your audience, I'll be doing um, Pius the Tenth and Modernism in January. I'll be starting off on the seventh with that. I'll be talking through exactly what he meant, who he was pointing at, what what the contents of these crazy heresies and ideologies are, why he said that we need to be very careful with these, and why Excellent. they're so toxic. Perfect. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, last thing, if you want to be a paid subscriber to help support the show, you can click on the Substack link. There is premium stuff there for you, like getting things early and free uh, articles just for you and that sort of thing, audio of certain articles that or certain uh, um, episodes if you want to listen to it like that. You can become a YouTube member, and uh, we'll have some subscriber-only Q&As in the new year um, as well. So uh, there you go. And um, as always, ladies and gentlemen, let me know what you think of the comments. This has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time. God bless. God Thanks, bless. Lloyd.